I'm Ann Dart. I'm Tracy Stormy. And I'm Kathy Knight. And together we are... It Was a Dark and Stormy Book Club. A podcast for mystery lovers. Welcome! If you enjoy our show, please consider contributing to the Dark and Stormy Patreon. By becoming a patron, you will help us create better and quality content. There are also benefits to becoming a patron, such as exclusive content and Dark and Stormy merchandise. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash darkandstormybc. Check our website for the link. We appreciate any and all contributions. Thank you. Welcome back to the 80th episode of It Was a Dark and Stormy Book Club. We have an exciting program today. Anne will give us a book report on The Jean Harlow Bombshell by Molly Cox Bryan. But first, we're going to listen to an interview we did with Faye Snowden, who is the author of of A Killing Fire. Faye Snowden is the author of four published mysteries with Kensington Press, Spiral of Guilt, The Savior, Fatal Justice, and her new book, A Killing Fire. She has published short stories and poems in various literary journals and small presses, including the African American Review, Calliope, Red Ochre Lit, Bay Area Poets Coalition, and Occam's Razor. Aside from her publication, she has also managed two boys, a husband, five dogs, and three writing fellowships over the years. Today, Faye works and writes from her home in Northern California. The book we'll be discussing today is A Killing Fire. The first time Raven Burns saw her father kill, the victim was her mother. Afterwards, Lloyd Fire Burns set the house on fire, making Raven watch as the flames slithered across the yard like some unknown language. Then he took her on a multi-state killing spree. She could have told or killed him in his sleep, but there were his constant whispers, his wet lips close to her ear, saying, Little girls who told were sent to hell. And their mothers were called down from heaven to take care of them. By the time he is executed, Raven has become a cop with the sole purpose of putting men like him away. But she can't escape Lloyd's terrorizing voice in her head, somehow guiding her steps while reminding her of the horrors he has forced her to witness. Welcome, Faye. We would like to welcome Faye Snowden to the podcast. She is the author of the very compelling book, A Killing Welcome, Faye. What or who was your inspiration for your protagonist, Raven? For me, it all starts with a question and an idea. I just think about the idea of what would happen if someone was actually a child of a parent who may not be moral. So it just kind of came to me with that. The first person who started talking to me was Floyd and then also his parents, Hammer and Sarah. I just thought they had this 
this child that was evil. And then I just kind of started thinking about what if he had a daughter? How would her upbringing be kind of impacted by the type of person he was? So I guess you can say that my inspiration came from just thinking about this antagonist or this upbringing and that she was just kind of born out of that. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but that's how she came to be. Yes, it does make sense. So Floyd was totally fictional? He's not based on anyone in real life? No, Floyd is totally fictional. And it is so hilarious when I really know that I have a book or something that's going to work. It all starts with this, and here we go, with this voice in my head. And it was this Floyd just started kind of talking to me as I was thinking I was just going to sit down and write a mystery. And he kind of popped up in there and just started talking. And then I was like, oh my goodness, this is a book. (laughs) Well, I'm glad there isn't a Floyd in this world. No, no, no. Raven had to fight every step of the way to get her case solved, which made her stronger. But why did you feel she had to have such a hard time of it? But usually my books are based on ideas about how I see the world. And especially with a mystery, I think what mystery authors like to do is how can I put order onto this very disorderly world? And I think about how can I make people think about how hard it is to actually be virtuous and to be good. And I think it's a struggle. I think that Floyd, to me, is that dark place inside all of us. And that if we don't recognize that dark place and fight it to the max, then that thing can overtake us. So I just felt that some of the hardships that Raven had to go through and will go through in the next books is just like overcoming that dark place. And for some of us, it's not easy to do that. I'm kind of a softy. I think about you know people that have done really, really bad things in their lives. How did they make that decision? I know sometimes it doesn't even feel like a decision, but I think as people not recognizing that this is something that I have to not only accept, but in a way control. I just felt that it's not easy kind of overcoming that. Raven, her story, I think it's going to stick with me for a long time. I just kept (laughs) thinking about what her childhood must have been like. Have you ever considered writing a prequel? I never really thought about that. Hearing that question makes me think that that's not a bad idea. I was also raised in a very abusive household. You always think of some of this is my fault. How do you get over that? And I spent decades trying <laughs> trying to get over that. I never thought about sitting down and looking at it just from that viewpoint. And that's a, an excellent idea, though. It would be an interesting story to tell. Definitely. Yeah. I would yeah. read it, that's for sure. <laughs> Raven struggled with good versus evil throughout the book. Was giving she and her father the two different colored eyes, was that kind of a metaphor for that internal struggle? Yes, it was. And I had a wonderful writing partner and also an awesome editor and agent. I would just mention it every other page, the green eye and the blue eye. My writing post like, Faye, you know, to hammer this in. I was thinking about the American Indians. There's a story about when you have the two different colored eyes that you can see good and evil through the same body. And I had found out about that story after I had given her those characteristics. So it was really amazing that that story came after. But yes, it was a metaphor for good and evil. And I was surprised that you picked that up because my friend said, tone it down, Faye, tone it down. Now it rang very <laughs> Yes. for me. It almost sounds like it was meant to be. It was almost like a happy little accident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After reading this book, you have to be a fan of classic hard-boiled mysteries. There was some real detective work going on in this book. Are any of your characters based on people you know? 
No, not the characters that actually survived the final edit. I tried to do that. When you're looking at that final book and you're reading it, all those things about people you know, they really kind of stick out like sore thumbs. So those people kind of melted away from the book. And the people that were left were the characters that I built through the course of writing the book. People can Google things and people watch cop shows. So I really try to make sure that some of the detective work that goes on in the book is based on some type of reality. And the man whose name I can't remember wrote a homicide manual that I've had for years and years and years. As a matter of fact, when my kids were small, I hid it into like the deepest, darkest corners of the house so they would never get their hands on it. It was a homicide manual for police officers and detectives for investigation. And that's what I used. And then I also talked to police officers. Yeah, I am a fan of those hard-boiled mysteries as well. You have an interesting backstory yourself. You've been in the military and you've had a job in information technology. This kind of leads into the last question that the one job we did not see was law enforcement. Where did you get your technical aspects of the job? It really came from just researching, using the manual, and also different podcasts that I listen to. And then I also go on ride-alongs. And then there are all kinds of other books for writers that talk about real versus the TV shows as far as detective work. And so that's where I got it. It does take a lot of research. That's interesting to me that you can go on ride-alongs. Is the police department very cooperative with things like that? How do you set that up? Yes. Well, I also took a Citizens Police Academy course. I think it lasted several weeks. I just sat in a classroom for several hours every week to learn about police work. It was something that our Modesto Police Department offered here. And then you can arrange ride-alongs calling Modesto Police Department and just set one up. It's really kind of easy to do here. It was fun. It was different. I bet. That's great. That sounds like something I'd like to try myself. Sometimes they'll look at you and say, stay in the car. <laughs> and then they'll go, I'll stay in the car and don't move. You know, because they're always concerned about your safety. And yeah, that was an experience. One other question that I had, Bird River is a fictional place in Louisiana, right? Yes, Bird Landing is totally fictional. I was just curious as to why you would set it at a totally fictional place, because the atmosphere is very Louisiana, that's for sure. You could have chosen any small town in Louisiana, but you chose to go fictional, and I just wondered why. Because I believe that the setting is part of the book. I saw it as a character in the book, and then now I love going back and forth to Louisiana. And I actually went back there when my aunt died uh, several years ago and all the nostalgia. But when I was growing up there as an African-American, it's the South and I'm older. So I experienced some of that racism and it was not a pleasant place for me as an African-American kid to grow up. It also shaped who I am and how I feel about myself. I just felt that I wanted the characters in this book to kind of feel some of that. You know, not only the great things about Louisiana, the food and the culture and the music, but also the things that told, especially African-Americans, something about themselves that was not necessarily positive. And that's what Raven was having to fight all along. So I chose to create this town, Bird's Landing. It is very, very loosely based on Shreveport. I just felt that it was something that I wanted to impact Raven in a not necessarily a positive way and something that she would have to get over. 
hours. That's the reason that I chose a fictional place. And of course, you don't want to insult the, the people of Louisiana, but <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, but you also want to say some things in there was not very pleasant. I mean, I remember I tell my friends that even I'm 56 and segregation was kind of over when I was growing up, but you still in the 70s had whites only at the laundromats and there were places that you knew you couldn't go. And I had a very, very strong mom. I would come home sometimes and say, Mom, um, they didn't want me to go into the store. And she would tell me to put my shoes back on and march right back up in there because she said, they're going to get used to you. And Good for your mom. I yes. know. Do you <laughs> see any intrinsic changes down in the Deep South? I do. When you're growing up, you're a teenager. I left when I was 18 and got your hormones going and you got the racism and that's kind of all I saw. But when I went back, when my aunt died, oh man, I saw the food. And then my cousin has actually been with the sheriff's department down there for uh, decades. Just everybody embraces you. And I didn't feel that racism that deep every day in the different places that I went. Everybody was just such an awesome place to visit. So I do see some changes on a micro level just from that visit to a place that I would go again. Most definitely. That's good. That shows there's hope for this world. (laughs) At the end of the book, I really didn't expect to see another Raven book, but you alluded earlier that you have plans for more books for Raven. So do you have any upcoming books or events you'd like our listeners to know about? Yes. Raven is going to be a part of a four book series, and it's going to be based on the elements, you know, fire, water, air, and then earth. And then the next one is going to be on a water theme. She's going to make a decision and she may not be conscious that she's actually making a decision. She's going to be making a decision about what type of person she's going to become. And so at the end of the four book series, if God's willing and my agent's willing and my publisher is willing, she will have decided what type of person that she's going to be. And you're going to see her maybe go off and be a little three quarters Floyd and one quarters Raven or maybe go off and be Raven as a law abiding citizen of the Deep South, but I don't know yet. So we'll see. She kind of showed a little bit in this book, too. There was a little taste of Floyd in there. He came peeking out there. (laughs) Yeah. I start this book with this idea and I'm all lofty and everything, and I've got this crazy man talking to me, telling me how the book's going to go, and then I said, okay, I'll just pick up this character and I'll mold her, and this is what she's going to do. No. Raven was like, oh, no, I don't think so. These characters just take over. (laughs) She did. I'm thinking, how am I going to get you out of this mess? And she's like, I don't know. Figure it out. I'll be glad when the next book comes out. Do we have a time frame for that? I'm still writing it. It may be longer than we like, God willing, and and my publisher and agent willing. I don't have a time frame. I am looking forward to showing them what I have so we can get one. Oh, awesome. Now, you write other genres, too, don't you? Yes. I've been in information technology forever. Writing has always been my first love. I started out with poetry and then short stories. Then I went into like this romantic suspense kind of thing when I was much younger. And after I'm done with this Raven sequel, I'm actually writing some historical stuff as well. It's just like something that keeps calling to me. I don't know why. It's something that I'll probably be doing it on my deathbed. You know, give me a pin. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're really glad that you have that calling because we very much enjoyed this book. You're a literary channel. (laughs) That's what you feel like sometimes. But thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Well, when you do get the next book out be sure and let us know so we can make sure our listeners know it's coming i will i will most definitely do that well thank you so much Faye, for agreeing to be on the show we so much enjoyed this book and we look forward to the next installment we wish you all the best 
Oh, thank you so much. I'm just honored and humbled to be here. I just want to thank you guys for your time and taking the time to read the book and enjoying it. Okay, before we go, where can our listeners find out more about you and your books? I do have a website. It's faysnowton.com. They can go there. That's probably the best place. I'm also on Twitter, and my Twitter handle is Faye underscore Snowden. And then I'm on Instagram. This is where I call imaginative, am I? On Instagram, I'm simply Faye Snowden. Hey, it works. Yeah, it works. Just the name. We'll update our show notes with this information. Let everybody know how to get in touch with you. Oh, great. Thank you so much. And thank you. And enjoy the rest of this day. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. (laughs) What did you guys think of this book? Well, I really liked the book. I did too. I did too. I thought the concept of having her grow up in such a volatile way with a serial killer for a father was an interesting take. And then... And her redeeming herself by becoming a police officer. Yeah, but she wasn't that far from being a killer herself because his influence was always there. It was very creepy. She had to fight against that. Well, when we talked to Faye about that was what she wanted to convey, that pretty much the apple didn't fall far from the tree. Right. But she fought it and ended up on the right side of the wall. (laughs) You know, it's funny. All these books we read, they're all just a little bit different. Something we haven't seen before. This is definitely one. I haven't read a book where the protagonist's father was a serial killer that I can remember. No, I have either. And then the whole backdrop of Louisiana, you could feel it in this book. Some of the books you say, can the book take place anywhere else? It's not that this book couldn't, but I don't think the people could have been from anywhere but this area. No, they were down home. Well, I definitely like the way she wove the story into the Louisiana background. And you got to see the wealthy part and the seedier side. (laughs) Yeah, that was very inspired, I think. I think Faye came up with a very original story, plopped it into a wonderful location, gave us a protagonist that we really care about. And since we know this will be part of an ongoing series, we'll get to see where Raven ends up. And I really like how she built the relationship between Raven and Billy Ray, you could just see a mutual respect for each other and almost like a brother-sister type relationship. Maybe later on. It I don't know. I didn't get a real romantic vibe out of them and, at all. And, but I'm, and I'm really happy about that because not everybody needs to fall in love in these books. Right. <laughs> I think it's just deeper than well, a regular French. I think you're right, Anne. I can see that it's a, a very deep mutual respect relationship. Right. Maybe deeper than brother and sister. Great in a partnership and especially in that line of work because you want somebody who's got your back. back. Somebody who's got your back. Someone you can trust. Someone who understands you. And he was a great cook. Yeah, this is a great time to read this book because this is the very first in the Raven Burns Mystery Series. We suggest you check out A Killing Fire by Faye Snowden. She is a very talented writer. We can't wait to see what she comes up with next. King's River Life Magazine now has a mystery podcast called Mystery Rat's Maze. Episodes consist of mystery short stories and first chapters of mystery novels read by local actors. To listen to the episode, 
episodes and subscribe to the podcast, you can go to mysteryratsmaze.podbean.com and you can find them on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Featured authors include Cleo Coyle, Elaine Veets, Jerry Westerson, Dennis Palumbo, Kate Carlisle, and many more. Next, we have a book review by Ann Dark. Today I have a book recommendation or a book report on The Jean Harlow Bombshell. It's a classic star biography mystery book number one written by Molly Cox Bryan. It is the story of Charlotte Donovan. She is an assistant to a world famous biographer named Justine Turner, woman she's worked for for 12 years and she goes to meet her. Justine is doing the life history of Jean Harlow, who was an actress who died at a very young age of kidney failure and several other things. Jean Harlow is somebody I really don't know a lot about. I mean, I name recognition, and I've seen her in some movies, but yeah. that's about all I know. But she died very young. She was romantically involved with William Powell for years. William Powell is, of course, the thin man in the old movies. He was a wonderful actor. Yes, he was. After she died, he had flowers placed on her grave for the rest of his life, and it's kind of sweet. When Charlotte goes to meet Justine, they are talking, and all of a sudden, Justine keels over. She's dead. Oh, my goodness. Charlotte is kind of left there. She's in the restaurant. Ah, you know what happened when the police come and they look at the films of the restaurant, they see a man sit down with Justine and he puts something in her drink. Well, it turns out she was poisoned. Charlotte is sort of left in the lurch. She doesn't know what to do. Well, she's hired by the lawyers to finish the Jean Harlow biography because she has all the notes. She has all the information. She goes to Charlotte's apartment and moves herself in there because she is dirt poor. She has nothing. Of course, Justine was famous for years, and she had quite the reputation. I would almost think that would make her a suspect. <laughs> well, no. They knew she didn't have anything to do with it because she really had no reason to. Uh, Just moving into her apartment? <laughs> she only stayed there because she was looking for the information that Justine had because the first thing that happens, of course, is her laptop is stolen and all of Justine's notes. Well, there are several suspects. One is a collector of Jean Harlow memorabilia, and he insists that Justine had a ring that Jean Harlow, it was, I don't know, 300 carat sapphire. Oh, wow. And it was supposedly buried with Jean Harlow. But this collector goes after Charlotte to tell her he wants that ring and he's going to get it. And she said, I don't know anything about it. And then there's another author who wanted to write the Jean Harlow story. And he's another suspect. It's a fun read. It's suspenseful. Molly Cock Ryan is a writer of 
Arab women's stories. Her stories have many forms, cookbooks, articles, essays, poetry, and fiction. She grew up near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and attended Point Park University, where she received a B.A. in journalism and communication. Molly moved to the Washington, D.C. area, where she held a number of writing jobs and has written about a diverse array of subjects such as construction, mathematics, education, and life insurance. While working in the editorial field, Molly began taking poetry classes at the Writers' Center in Bethesda, Maryland. Soon she was leading local poetry workshops and was selected to participate in the prestigious Jenny McKean Moore Poetry Workshop. She was honored with an Agatha Award nomination for her first novel, Scrapbook of Secrets, and several books in the Cumberland Creek series have received People's Choice nominations from the Library of Virginia. You can go to Molly's website, www.molly, M-O-L-L-I-E, Cox, Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, dot com. It has all her books and her events. And I don't so, think she lives very far from us. No. I'm curious of why she picked Jean Harlow to bounce off of in these books. I am not sure. Well, if we ever meet but her in if person. if we ever meet her, we're interested in that subject. I think probably because there is a little bit of a mystery around Jean Harlow, but she's one of the Hollywood stars, even though she wasn't a star for a very long, only a couple of years. There's a lot of things written about her. That might be one of the reasons she picked her, because she had a lot of stuff she could find about her. Very interesting. It was a good book. I hope people read it. Let's talk about Hollow Read. Let's do it. (laughs) We have less than a month before we will be attending Hollow Read, and I hope you've purchased your tickets already. If you haven't, be sure and go to hollowread.com to purchase your tickets. Use our code dark and stormy, and you'll receive 15% off the admission. We're really looking forward to this. It's a Halloween-themed book festival. We always Yes, we always enjoy the spooky, even though our main focus is on mysteries. We really enjoy a spooky story, too. So we're looking forward to meeting these authors. And meeting the readers, too. October 25th and 26th. In Ellic City, Maryland. Yes. Some of these authors, however, also moonlight as mystery writers, and we are going to interview a few of them for your pleasure. So look forward to that as well. That episode will come out right before Halloween. Don't we have some new ideas for our Patreon? Why, thanks for asking, Kathy. Yes, we do. We have decided to offer once a month for any of our new patrons on Patreon to have a giveaway once a month to one lucky winner of our new patrons to receive five assorted mystery books that we have received. We are going to pass them along to you. If you'd like to get in on this, and this is for any patron, any dollar amount, they will go into a drawing. Well, that sounds very exciting. Yes. I'm excited about it. Don't forget to go to our website at itwasadarkandstormybookclub.com. You can sign up for our newsletter there. We're getting ready to publish our October issue. So sign up before that comes out. 
And it's a good one. There's a lot of good stuff in the newsletter this time. There always is. There always yes, good. <laughs> there is. One has some little extra content in there that's pretty good. And also, don't forget that we are still taking submissions for our short stories that we're going to start featuring in the newsletter starting in January of 2020. So get those submissions into us. And we need them by December 1st so that we can make sure it's ready to go into the January. And then it'll be ongoing after that. Yeah. Very good point. Our email address is in our website, so you can submit short story through our email. You can email us about anything, but if you submit a short story, don't forget to put that in the subject line, that this is a short story submission. You don't have to be a published writer to submit a story. We can't actually wait to see what people come up with. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode. Hope you'll join us next time. And remember, life would be boring without a little mystery. Bye. Bye.